When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Who has the edge in the Heisman race between Florida's Kyle Trask and Alabama's Mac Jones? And will that be settled in the SEC title game, and the Gators visit Tennessee. What has happened to the Vols program under Jeremy Pruitt? Florida State is pushing hard to play two more games, even among more defections. We'll tell you why. And we used to just be happy to have college football among a pandemic. Now it's turned nasty again as everyone begins to focus on the big prize. We'll discuss all that and more with Matt Baker, our college football writer, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And, you know, uh, it got really cold here, and I started thinking, wouldn't it be great to have something warm, something delicious, something like, I don't know, from Mr. Empanada? They'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And with the holidays coming, what better way to celebrate than to uh, safely get together with family and friends and any gathering, of course, could include their new mini empanadas or Cuban sandwich all their great favorites. Mr. Empanada really appreciates their customers. They would like to show you their eagerness to move into 2021 and for a better year ahead. So you can do this now. Just order online at MrEmpanada.com or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. Okay, Matt Baker joins us now. we got a ton to talk about with college football. Of course, uh, all the state schools uh, – particularly Florida, and what's ahead for them. And uh, we're going to start with a look back, uh, first of all. And, Matt, you were at uh, Florida-Kentucky. That was eh, a little competitive game there for a little bit. And then the Gators finally got on track on offense. Um, wanted to ask you, uh, first and foremost, about something that, uh, that, that I was commenting on and had no business really commenting on. But it was that <laughs> sideline eruption between Dan Mullen and his defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, who, let's face it, has been somewhat under fire, and that's an understatement almost from the beginning of the season. Um, we're seeing more and more of this. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he did it at Mississippi State. I don't know if this is a Florida thing. But Dan Mullen, not shy about uh, game day antics, right, and, and demonstrative uh, whether it's uh, you know going to the middle of the field and lecturing the opposing coach, or uh, or in this case taking out his own guy, um, what do you make of of, of that uh, that display? Well, I didn't see it live. You know, I'm I'm watching the game, and then suddenly I see on Twitter that that Mullen was blowing up at Grantham, and fortunately, uh, the, the the fine folks on their couches were able to uh, to, to show <laughs> clips of it, so I could I could see because, like I said, I just I didn't see it live um this is not uncommon in college football i mean college football coaches are fiery dudes i mean i remember jim yep. McElwain in his second game at florida just blowing up at kelvin taylor on the sidelines mm-hmm. after taylor did a throat slashing gesture um that cost his team 15 yards and could have cost him the game against east carolina um mm-hmm. you, you go back to the uh we're a family podcast so the butt chewings that um Nick Saban gave to Lane Kiffin, among others, uh, over his career. I mean, Brian Kelly's 
the joke on him always kind of having a purple face when he blows up at people. So this this is just kind of par for the course, I think, in some ways. Um, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate. I mean, uh, I, I have a pretty stressful job, and I can get a little bit emotional sometimes, but I would never do anything like that with my boss, nor would I expect my boss to do that with me. College football coaches and coaches in general are the only people who can get away with that, and I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. But um, the fact is it happened. Uh, you know, Todd Grantham was asked about it the other night and basically said, uh, you know, it happens, part of the job, move on. So there there's appear to be no hard feelings there. Um, I think some of it is, you know, Mullen hasn't done this a lot, at least that, that I can remember, if at all. But look, you have to remember where the Gators are. They're, they are a very, very good team. They're in, certainly in that top six, top eight discussion. They are in the mix to to make it to the national semifinals. They, if they beat Tennessee on Saturday, I certainly expect them to do so quite handily. Then they're in the SEC title game, beat Bama, they're in the playoff. But So you can't really afford any slip-ups. And, and let's face it, Todd Grantham's defense has not been, uh, certainly not been among the nation's elite this year. And they were struggling a little bit early against Kentucky. It was just simple things like, uh, you know, I thought they, they were misaligned a few times and that sort of thing. And and to, to Grantham's credit, in the second half, they came back and did a lot better. I think they had something like six straight three and out. So, um, you know, that, that, the, the the idea, the whole shouting match, that whole thing is, is, is done as far as the Gators are concerned. But, yeah, it was uh, made for an interesting afternoon on social media. Does the journalist in you uh, bother you, as it, it does me a little bit, that these guys on national television will, will go ahead and, and uh, you know, air their, their emotional laundry? Um, and then when you're asked about it, they start talking about Christmas lights or they're disingenuous about it. They don't. <laughs> They now it's like, well, let's not run this into the ground. Let's not make this a bigger thing than it is. I'm not going to sit up here and, you know, uh, really explain to you what I what I was saying. But yet I but during the telecast, of course, it's there for the world to see. I don't know. There's there's a part of me not that they owe us anything but or, or their fans. But it's kind of like, oh, now we're now we're going to try to not not try to embarrass anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like you kind of already did it there. Uh, Coach Mullen. Yeah, I, I, it certainly does bother me. I mean, look, I, I try and ask what I think are intelligent questions to learn information, and I don't like it when coaches are secretive about anything. I'll, I'll give you another example. On Monday, uh, we were talking to Dan Mullen on Zoom, and he mentioned that you know, they weren't particularly happy with the offense's performance against Kentucky, and they didn't meet any of their offensive goals other than win. So I follow up, what were your offensive goals? Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into all that, kind of keep that in the program. Da, da, da. I, I don't know what sort of proprietary secrets or competitive secrets that whatever it was would have, would have spilled. Um, I don't know if there's like a specific third down percentage they want to hit that nobody else knows. I, I don't know if there's any, I mean, I imagine turnovers was one of them. So like, I'm not trying to, I, I don't think revealing that information would jeopardize their ability to beat Tennessee uh, on Saturday. So that's kind of bugs me when when honest questions don't get answered, and and certainly the the um, what specifically was bugging Mullen at the time, I, I kind of agree the same thing. And and you know Jim McElwain was even worse than that at, at Florida. It seems like anything we would ask was a state a tightly guarded state secret. I remember <laughs> um, they had this big thing. Uh, that Jeff Collins, the defensive coordinator, was high on, where the third down was the money down. They would have two guys jumping up and down, 
with a sign that says money down. Mm-hmm. And for the for McElwain's first year, we would, occasionally we would ask him, so what, what's the origin of this? What's the story? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, huh? Pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it, sure, but is there, uh, surely there must be some sort of story behind it. And we could never, we took us the entire year to get it out. And eventually uh, Jeff Collins kind of said so at the end of the year. I, again, I don't know that that's, a, if it's a competitive thing that's going to help you win, I totally understand. Trick plays, personnel, I completely understand all that stuff. But there's certain things that like, what are we doing here? It's, it's, we're, we're not, you know, this isn't war. It's, it's 18 year olds playing a college football game, throwing a piece of leather around a go- an open field. Maybe we can get a little bit of information that's not going to help you win or lose. And so that's where I, I certainly do get kind of frustrated. Yeah. Well, I always said it's it's funny because they treat everything like it's the Manhattan Project. And, and we've seen, you know, we've seen troops uh, for better or maybe worse embedded uh, with journalists, journalists embedded with troops as they're like landing in Baghdad, you know, and in real time. And yet. Don't let them watch more than stretching for 20 minutes at practice. Like, it's just funny to me. It's just football. That's all it is, is football. But uh, serious to them for sure and and, uh, and, and for good reason because they pour a lot of effort into it. And, uh, and there's a lot of money involved as well. Ding, so ding, now, ding. Uh, Yeah. There's it's, a lot. It's, 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 it's <laughs> and, about again, the money. That's, that's why I get, I get this stuff that that's X's and O's that's going to help them win or lose. But, like, yeah. what, what, the, what Mullen was upset about, I don't know why he couldn't say – yeah, we, we weren't lining up correctly, and that upset that's me. All. That's, or, it. Or, that's all. That's all. Or with the effort, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So well, we weren't playing well. You know, I mean, you don't have to go with the Christmas light story. I, I mean, I just spare me the, uh, you know, the the pat on the head and the patronizing there. Um, let me let me ask you this because now you know Florida is going to play at Tennessee, which should not be a problem for Florida. Although I'm not, I'm not sure I would have said that about a year ago. I mean, I, I thought, and you wrote a story about this, Matt, uh, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. You know, Dan Mullen and Jeremy Pruitt came aboard about, well, roughly, you know, the same, the same coaching cycle, actually. Mm-hmm. And for a while there, it looked like, looked like Pruitt was starting to, to make some headway and, and, and turn around the Vols a little bit. What, what has happened up there? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, They've been, you know, Tennessee's been been a mess. Um, let's face it. I'm going to pull up a headline that I wrote a year ago. It would have been last September before the game. <clears throat> Comparing Tennessee football to the Titanic isn't fair to the ship. <laughs> and that was when Jeremy Pruitt was talking about, uh, you know, his the, his team was kind of like the mice racing to the top of the Titanic, trying to save themselves and then da-da-da. Um that was that might have been a tiny bit harsh, but you know to be fair, that I thought the poor boat had suffered enough. And then Jeremy Pruitt kind of made me not feel stupid, but he proved me wrong for a little bit. And they won what was it eight in a row at the, the end of last year slash the start of this year. And it makes you think that maybe things are turning around. And then they're just not. They're not a very good team. Um, it's they're not great offensively. I don't think they're great defensively. Um, they've got a good offensive line. Quarterback play has not been great. They're, they're just they're just not very good, and they haven't been very good for a while. I mean, you, you look at I think the, the the bigger question is Tennessee as a program, right? Because you go to the Derek Dooley and Lane and Lane Kiffin and, and Butch Jones. They haven't gotten it done for a while now, and I think Tennessee as a whole just has some. There's some systemic issues. I mean, obviously there was a there's a leadership vacuum because 
that in the last coaching search, Tennessee ended up firing their AD mid-coaching search. So uh, Philip Fulmer could do this bloodless coup and take the job, which is just a very bizarre situation. Um, you remember what happened with the Greg Schiano was going to be the coach. There was this uprising. But, but Tennessee just has some systemic issues where you go back to where things were 20, 30 years ago when they were a really good program. Uh, you know, Clemson wasn't the way it is now. And, and Georgia wasn't the superpower that it is right now. And those are the guys in the same footprint that Tennessee is recruiting against. And, and you kind of take those things. And the, the, the longer you go between winning, the, the further removed you are from winning at a high level, the harder it is to win at a high level. And, you know, the, the players today don't remember uh, Peyton Manning. The recruits say don't remember Peyton Manning and Evolve's jersey. They don't know who T. Martin is or anything like that. Mm. It, it's been a while. And the, the longer you, you kind of struggle, the harder it is to get back. And that's where Tennessee is, just kind of stuck in this muck right now. And I, I, I don't think things are going to get better soon because they, they gave the job, a very high-profile job, to a first-time head coach. And then they gave him an extension because, uh, I mean, he did beat Indiana in the Gator Bowl or whatever. But they gave him an extension, which was silly and now going to cost them a fortune if they want to get rid of him during a pandemic. So just a whole bunch of ineptitude. And, and in addition to some logist, you know, real logistical issues with Georgia and Clemson getting better in that same footprint. And that leads you to where Tennessee is 2-5. and five, And I don't think they have a, a particularly strong chance at all of beating the Gators. Yeah, I don't either. I can remember I'm old enough when... Tennessee was was uh, was a tough out in the SEC. Say so at least you mentioned Peyton Manning. The guy that did beat Florida was T. Martin, and not Peyton Manning, which was incredible back in the day. Of course. Um, while we're on Florida, we'll we'll uh, wrap up with the Gators with this. And uh, um, I didn't realize the odds because I I didn't follow at the beginning of the season. It is hard to imagine though. But Kyle Trask was a fifty to one uh, favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. I imagine it's a lot better than that now. Um, and they, and if he, when he, if he meets Alabama, which it appears he will in the SEC, the guy on the other side is probably his, his chief rival, Mac Jones. So, um, is this close? I mean, I, I, there's a part of me, Matt, that believes that, that Jones is going to get this trophy. I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously Trask has been terrific and he's got numbers, but everybody spends a lot of time telling you what he can't do. All he does is win and throw touchdowns as, you know, as they say, but. I don't know. There's something about Alabama and that whole mystique there. Yeah, all he does is win and throw touchdowns, which are kind of the two most important things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think I think you're you're exactly right. Um, I talked to a couple odds making types about how they view this because I know how I view this as a as a voter, um, mm-hmm. but I'm just one of 900 whatever people that that, that vote. And, and, you know, but the, the, the odds and bakers, the people who actually, you know, put, make livings on this type of stuff, they view it as a two horror, two man race between Trask and Jones at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think you're, you're this, you're exactly right. Uh, Mac Jones certainly has a chance because Kyle Trask has been very, very good. I'm not going to just, you know, dismiss him at all. Be entirely clear on that. Right. Um, but if you look at what might happen here, let's play this out. Florida and, and Bama meet for the SEC title. Right right now, I think Bama wins. It could be a shootout situation, sure. Um, but the way uh, Alabama's defense has gotten better over the course of the year, the way Florida's defense is still susceptible at times to giving up the big play, mm-hmm. and you look at how explosive Bama can be offensively, I would expect Bama to win that game. Yeah. So then you're going to be, you know, I, I will vote on the Monday after the SEC title game. 
what's going to be freshest in my head is Mac Jones throwing for uh, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, whatever it is, beating Kyle Trask head to head. What am I going to think about as a voter? And what are all the other 900 other voters going to be thinking about too? So it's kind of hard if you envision that scenario, then it's kind of hard to envision Trask winning because he would have to be so much better that voters are totally cool with him losing and maybe getting outplayed by Mac Jones in that game. Again, that's way down the rabbit hole. Um, mm. But that's certainly a scenario that could come up that would cost um, Kyle Trask the, the Heisman. But again, as we sit here today, he is on that very short list of, of guys that I will consider. I mean, Devontae Smith at Alabama uh, and Kyle Pitts at, at the Florida tight end are two guys on there as well. I, I think those might be the best two players on those teams. So that's something that I'm personally going to think about, but I get very much in the weeds. I, I hate that the Heisman goes to the best player or the quarterback on one of the best teams. I don't like mm. that. I actually think it should go to the best player. Last yeah. year, the best player in, in college football was Joe Burrow, and I don't think there was a, a ton of questions. But I've also voted for people who are not, you know, uh, I also had two defensive guys on my on my Heisman bat last year. I voted for uh, Dalvin Cook a couple years ago. So uh, I'm, I'm open to other things, whereas maybe some of the other voters are not, or are not quite that open. Yeah, it'd be interesting uh, if you removed either of those players from their teams, I think Florida would suffer much worse than Alabama. There's just part of me that believes that, but um, you know, which, which in my mind makes Kyle more valuable. But that's that's just me. Florida State has a uh, an off day, but then they want to they want to finish this thing out with uh, at least two weeks of football if they can. Matt and you wrote about this as well. Um, why is uh, Florida State trying to play these games? Yeah, it's, they could very easily opt out because a lot of their players have, have opted out. I mean, we're recording this on, on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Jaden uh, Lars Woodby, a former five-star defensive back, just announced he was transferring. That's three prominent players that have lost this week. Go back in the last three weeks, and I think it's eight guys that have they've lost either to, to injuries or opt-outs or transfers or the draft or whatever. Um so FSU could just say, you know what, this isn't working. You know, we, we've got our coronavirus issues. They were down to 44 scholarship players who could have been available for Saturday. Let's let's just call it it. Let's call it a season. We'll go black. We'll focus on 2021. We'll focus on recruiting. But they're not. I mean, the, the fact is they need to play. You know, it, it's been obviously disappointing for them to have two consecutive game day postponements slash cancellations then have a third game in a row get wiped off. That that stinks. I mean, these are competitive guys. They want to play. And, and let's face it, they need to play. FSU is not good. Like, they're just not. They're 2-6. They're, they're They've had bad losses to mediocre teams like Louisville and Pitt. Um, you know, had the Clemson game gotten played, they would have gotten waxed. I don't know if they're going to beat Duke, um, assuming that game happens. And I don't think they're going to win at Wake Forest either, assuming that game happens. But so they need the reps, the, the, the way to get better, the way to get them back to where they're supposed to be is to practice. They need to practice. They need to play. They're an extremely young team. I think about 74% of their roster as of last week was freshmen or sophomores as the most in the country. And if you're going to do a full on youth movement like they've done either because of choice or because of circumstance, those guys need reps. That's the way you get better. They need those reps. They need to be showing something to recruits to turn around a recruiting class that's currently ranked 32nd in the country. They need some proof of concept in terms of what they can do. Because obviously the last four years have not been good enough. So they need to get, keep playing. And that's why they push so hard to reschedule those games, even though 
on the outside, it would be easy to say, you know what, 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 what are you doing here? Just call it a day and move on. Yeah, totally agree. It's kind of like a bowl game. You know, you get the practices, you get the live reps. Those are things you can't uh, really, uh, you know, simulate. And, and just the fact that your season continues, that you can practice and do those things in, in preparation for games, how they're prepared, how the changes are made. So much is important with that. And uh, I can ex- absolutely see why they want to play. USF, however, they don't have any more games left, as far as I know. And nope. so it appears that their last game was against Central Florida. Listen, I know uh, John Romano wrote a column. I, I don't know that I totally agreed with it. I want to get your take. I watched that game. Matt, I was encouraged by what the USF Bulls did in that game against UCF. A couple times they got behind. It became a shootout. Um, they'd get behind 14, cut it down to a score, and and, and, and on and on they went. Um, I mean, it wasn't the kind of year that Jeff Scott wanted. It wasn't. It wasn't the kind of year that, you know, you would have wanted for any first year head coach, obviously. But is there was there some promise in that in that finale? Yeah. They they, they didn't quit. <laughs> I didn't that, I didn't sell that very well, did I? <laughs> no, well it's it's okay. They, look, they didn't quit. That's the best thing I can say about them. And no, that does say didn't. something. It yeah. really I'm I'm not being sarcastic. I'm hundred percent serious here. Look, this has been a, a god-awful year for all of us. Uh, it was a bad season for USF, and they haven't had a good season in a while. And given all that stuff, it would have been very easy for them to throw in the towel, all right, we're, we're done. But they didn't. Even when they fell behind, they kept fighting against UCF. And that tells me something. That tells me that the, that Jeff Scott and that coaching staff, they are doing something right because it, it, you know we'll see if he can get the players. We'll see if he can coach them up right. But the fact that they were still playing hard for him and playing hard for each other at the very end of a, you know, a, 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 a double-digit loss and against a mediocre UCF team in a lost year, that tells me something. Now, you put it into context of the whole. Again, they lost by double digits to a UCF team that's not like this. Isn't UCF of the Fiesta Bowl days or the Peach Bowl? This is a a, a good but not great UCF team. You, you add that to getting blown out by Houston. And losing by twenty points to ECU and on and on, it's been it was it was a rough year. Um, so I can definitely see that side of things too. But if we're just looking at the game on Saturday, they they did frankly they did better than I expected. They did better than I expected. <laughs> I, I'm going to put my pom poms down now. I I look. I, <laughs> it, it was it was a horrible season, and and I'm not trying to recruit for USF. I maybe I, the part of me feels bad, but. Um, you're right about everything you said. It's not it's not UCF's best team, and yet they had a pretty good offense, a really good quarterback, mm-hmm. and they went up and down the field with them. But as as uh, Coach Scott said, uh, all of that was a horrible year, and uh, nobody's job is safe. So they've got to find some ball players, and that'll be his task now uh, going into the off season. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Some national games of interest uh, for sure, and I'll uh, just uh, mention a couple of them, and then we'll get into another topic here. Uh, Texas A&M and Auburn, of course, the Aggies 
clinging to that spot just ahead of Florida in the polls. I'm not sure they have a path to a national championship or being even one of the final four teams, but um, how big is this game? Can, can Auburn uh, give them a good run here? Well, I, I do think they have a path. It's a it's a confusing and weird one where you know Florida loses and uh, Clemson stumbles and maybe Ohio State doesn't get to play again. There, there's some weird scenarios where they could get in, um, mm. but it, it would be it would be pretty pretty challenging. I think Auburn can scare A and M. Auburn's not that great, but I'm, I, I don't know that Texas A and M is great either. They've got a very good defense, but. I, I mean, I, I watched the, a good chunk of that LSU game. That was bad. LSU is not great, and, and it was it was it was pretty ugly. And, and yeah. you know, I, they they did beat the Gators. I, I, that's why I have A and M ahead on, on my ballot. But if they were to play again tomorrow at you know down the road at Gaither High School, I would mm. pick the Gators to win. And A and M just hasn't been hasn't looked sensational. So I, I and I do think you know Gus Malzahn obviously has a history with with, with Jimbo going back a bit. Um, I, I think I think Auburn can scare. And this leads me to another topic, which uh, we need to we need to discuss here briefly. Is that look, Michigan and Maryland that game has been canceled. Now there's an, a chance that maybe Michigan and Ohio State is in trouble if Ohio State doesn't play enough games, God forbid, um, to to qualify um, for their their Big Ten championship. Where does this leave college football and and? Along those lines, I mean, look, this seems like a TV show to me, that they're trying to put together the best the best TV show, right? Because if you're only going to have four teams in this thing, and we can almost do this every year, Florida has a chance, obviously, to, to win their way in with a, uh, with a win over Alabama in the SEC title game. Maybe Alabama gets in with one win anyway. We don't know. But the point is, is that it's going to be Alabama, uh, a good chance if Alabama wins, it'll be Alabama, uh, Clemson, um, Notre Dame and um, Ohio State, if Ohio State's there, but I mean, can they take them with four games, five games? I mean, what if we're just going for the best teams? Everybody knows Ohio State is one of the best teams in the nation. There's nothing that has changed that for me, even though Indiana gave them all they could handle in a comeback attempt and then some. Um, what am I missing here? Is are they really going to stick to this this notion that uh, that they have to play enough games to qualify or? Are we just going to admit that this is all about putting on the best show we can for uh, for a couple of weeks? It's going to be interesting to see what the Big Ten does because you're right. There's a I forget the exact rule, but there's a, a minimum amount of games based on how many games everybody else played in the conference. It, it's it's confusing, and there's mm-hmm. a chance Ohio State doesn't meet the threshold it needs to, either mm-hmm. because maybe they have issues that would get the Michigan State game called off this week. Or Michigan has issues that gets the, the the game called off next week. What will be interesting to see, like it, we have to remember, everything in this year is so freaking fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I didn't think there would be any games um, where I was thinking, like, oh my god, what am I going to do with a football season where I'm not covering <laughs> yeah. football? How can I make myself useful? Right? Yeah. Go yeah. back. Go back to July and August. Those were real things, and and now here I am in December, and it's still going strong. The, so. The, the the Big Ten's rules were not given uh, on stone tablets down on Mount Sinai, right? They can be changed. I mean, just shoot, look, look, just what happened this week in the ACC um, on Sunday when the or Tuesday, whatever, someday this week it all runs together. Um, <laughs> the ACC completely changed how it was doing things, where they said, you know what, we know Notre Dame's one of the best couple teams. 
so they're going to be in, and they, they don't have to play December 12th. Um, if Clemson is in, if they win against Virginia Tech, they would have the tiebreaker over Miami. So they'll be in the, the ACC title game too. They don't need to play December 12th either. Totally fine. We're going to completely scrap that. So both, you know, in, in that scenario, Notre Dame and Clemson are both off on December 12th. They have a week off before meeting in the ACC championship game. That was decided like within the last 72 hours. So I say that to say if the Big Ten says, you know what? Ohio State's clearly a really, really good team. We need to find a way to get them in because, A, they deserve to be in the Big Ten championship. B, they're a college football playoff team and we get a lot of money from it. Then they'll figure out a way to do it if they want. I, it's it's going to be interesting to see if or, or how that happens, though. Um, there's some, some buzz on Twitter, which I think is very interesting. Is there a scenario where the Michigan game gets called off? The Big Ten, which wouldn't let Nebraska play some Humpty Dumpty non-con team earlier in the season, says, you know what? You can play a, a non-conference team if you want. And maybe BYU calls and says, hey, what are you doing next Saturday? Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. So like, there, there's weird stuff like that that could happen this year because everything is fluid and nothing makes any sense. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I do think Ohio State, when you watch them, they are clearly one of the four best teams in the country. And it would be stupid for them to not be in the playoff just because of the what their conference decided and how few games they were able to play. But, I mean, if that's the worst thing that happens to them this year, then so be it. And there's no chance in this crazy year that they would just say, let's expand it by two or four teams. It's it's I wish, but no, they've said they're not going to do that. There's logistical yeah. issues with that in terms of when are you going to do this, who's going to host, that sort of thing. Yeah. That would have been the easiest solution. Um, it would have been the right solution, I think, because A, it would have been fair to everyone um, to, to open it up and have some of those teams that didn't get a chance to prove it for one reason or another, given them a chance. It would have made everybody more money in some way, shape, or form. But it also would have kind of hastened the inevitable. I mean, I think eventually the the playoff will be expanded to 6 or 8 or 12 or 16. I, I think that's going to happen. Um, people, a lot of the power brokers in the sport are still resistant to that and, and, and holding back for some reason. And if you do it one year, then they realize this works and we need to do it for every year. So that's kind of why I think it didn't happen and why we're in this scenario where I mean, Notre Dame's already played a full Big Ten schedule and, and might in some way, shape, or form get knocked out, whereas Ohio State could play half the game and get in. That's crazy. And along those lines, I'll wrap it up on this. Un, uh, uncharacteristic maybe of Kurt Herbstreet, of course, who's been, uh, uh, you know, Ohio State is his is his team. It's it's where he played, and yet he tries to be objective. Um, I think for the most part does a good job. Came out and said something stupid, then apologized for it. But it was along the lines of, uh, you know, Michigan sort of using COVID as an excuse not to play, and and we've heard this uh, echoed from Clemson when they went to Florida State, and and that game got canceled. Dabo still continues to talk about these sort of things. Matt, you said it before we went on the podcast. This thing has really become, uh, you know, we started out, as you just mentioned, happy to have college football and and the the, the potential even of of taking it to a conclusion. Now now it seems like there's there's gamesmanship, there's doubts, there's there's all this other stuff that's coming into play. Where, Where is this all coming from? 
Yeah, it took uh, what three and a half months, whatever it is. But we're in we're in college we're in normal college football territory now, um, where you've got oh they don't want to play us they're scared they're ducking somebody it's and, and the gamesmanship and, and you're exactly right um, it, we're getting back into the message board territory that makes the sport fun in normal times it makes it crazy but in mm-hmm. times like this it's like what are we doing okay. um, I, I do think that we would all be better off if we remembered. You know what? None of this it should be taken for granted. Um, we didn't know if there was going to be a season. We had no idea what would happen. Um, we didn't know in September if players were going to be able to spread this to one another on the field. We didn't know if there would be any games. And and now we're at the point where we're bickering and we're accusing people of, of ducking games and all that stuff. And it's, I don't know. It, I don't. I don't like it. it. It's This whole thing has been weird, right? This whole year has been weird. I say that all the time. And the fact now that we're getting into the minutia of college football, where it feels like the, the, things, the only thing that matters anymore is who's in the, the playoff. And, and I get it. There's a lot of money at stake. But let's also kind of read the room a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people who are sick, and there's a lot of people who are dying. Mm-hmm. I don't think the next couple... Um, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me. But I, I don't have a lot of faith in how the next couple of weeks and maybe month or two are going to go in our country. And, and we're, we're talking about somebody ducking somebody and, and, and th- that sort of thing. I, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, I think we'd be in a better place if we just kind of took it for what we could. And, and we're, we're grateful for, for what we do have. And, but, but things are changing. I mean, the, like I said, the ACC on the fly said, you know what, we're not going to play uh, Notre Dame to Clemson. They're not gonna have to play another game. It's totally fine. Um, just kind of making up the rules as they go along. And I, I, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC followed where assuming Florida and Bama both win this weekend, why, why do they need to play on December 12th mm. in different teams before they play in the SEC title game? Mm. Why risk them to any sort of exposure? Why, why do anything like that? Give everything, give them the most time possible to having meaningful conference championship game and also protect them from another loss. Right? Like, so yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just kind of weird that it took us this long, but now we're at the point where it's the, oh, they don't want to play us. They're scared. Just the normal college football stuff in the backdrop of the once-in-a-century pandemic that's killed 267,000 people in this country. Well said, and uh, that's why you have to read Matt Baker and all his stories on college football in the Tampa Bay Times. Matt will be uh, checking in on the Florida-Tennessee game, of course, and all the games really across the country that will impact uh, this national championship Matt, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Sure. Thank you. Mr. Empanada would like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And with the holidays coming up, what better way to celebrate than just safely get together with family and friends at Mr. Empanada. They've got all kinds of delicious foods, and including their new mini empanadas, where you can try their Cuban sandwiches, all their favorites. Go to MrEmpanada.com if you want to order online, or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. We'll talk to Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, tomorrow on the podcast. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes 
Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 